evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. the show tonight. We've got Mr. Paul Thorpe. Held a prize on the show. And good old Rick Hyde's here as well. And I'm here as well. Let's get down to business. Who are we going to rip to pieces tonight then? Oh, and before I forget, for those of you that each week say, what the hell's the Magnificent Seven got to do with a football show? I'll just say this to you. Think about it. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. And I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if you could listen to the racket that this lot made before I sort of started recording to try and get a proper recording done, hopeless. Dealing with bloody amateurs we are all the time. Can you hear it now? There's somebody banging away in there. This is, a, this is a professional radio station. You're not supposed to make noises like that. Do you understand? If what you're referring to is me putting my coffee cup down you've got very sensitive ears is your hearing aid on too loud or something no no it's not that i can hear it i can hear it through my earphones so there and my my hear, hearing aid is sensitive as it's meant to be anyway i will keep my coffee cup in my hand exactly well good evening everybody hope you're all well um what sort of a week have you had i've had two wins on the trot so i'm a happy bunny and so is rick but uh Liverpool continue to get absolute jam on their bread all the time. It's unbelievable, really. <laughs> anyway, um, let's, wow. get, let's get started. No comments. <laughs> Hilda's going to uh, take the, the uh, microphone today, so I shall just comment when I feel inclined to. So over to you, Hilda. Thank you, boss. Well, I wasn't going to start with this, but it's not very often that we do one of these podcasts and we get a little bit of breaking news just before 
we record. So at the time of recording, it's absolutely bang on, and it will be when this uh, is available to listen to as well. And mm -hmm. it's no surprise that Ranieri, if you haven't seen it, has now officially been sacked as Watford coach. Um, we spoke about it, I think, at the time when the announcement was, was made with Ranieri coming into the team um, earlier in the season that he probably would would be quite lucky to see out the season. And as it turned out, uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, Rick, I'll start with you. Probably no real surprise. This one AD touched on last week about how it wasn't a surprise to see Rafa uh, leave his post. And this is probably just as expected, isn't it? And by the time this goes out, they may well have been through another one. Quite possibly. <laughs> this could be a day. It might not be just Ranieri. might not be the last boss of Watford. Um, it's the nature of it, isn't it? That's, it's the way that they it's the model they use. Although it does seem to be getting more and more knee-jerk where they would presumably previously have a manager in and, and give him a season. They don't even seem to get that now. As soon as Watford lose two or three games in succession you're out the door. And given that they're in a relegation fight, they're going to be losing more than they're going to be winning from now on. So it wouldn't surprise me, in all seriousness, if, if they did have another couple of bosses before the end of the season, because it seems to be the, the way they do things. It must be costing Thought them me, a lot easy. of money, though. Oh, go on. It must be costing yeah, them a lot of do. money, because we all know about the you know contracts and you've got to pay up fixed-term contracts, etc., um, you know, he, well, how many how many bosses do you think they're paying at the moment? God knows, it must be quite. They've a few got to pay three or four of them. Mm. See, I have a feeling they've probably got some sort of clause within their contracts because Watford, you know, it's no surprise that they they this is their model, isn't it? And up until yeah. now, you could argue that this model has kind of worked for them. So, I mean, maybe it's difficult for us to well, to judge when you look statistically. It's actually serve them quite well over the years but you're right they probably have to put their hand in their pocket somewhere how but, can you um, say it's worked for them though i can't see the argument there because oh it, so, it so i mean if you take them. this season no but previously to this season they were in the premier league for about six years in a row where they got to an fa cup final and always sacked their managers during that successful period quote unquote wow i, I would hardly call that sustained success at all it's uh just okay, so got to the cup final. Big deal. Didn't win it, did they? But given that, given that the no, but what would you be expecting for Watford? Yeah, though? The club of Watford size, that is success, isn't it? What else are they? What else are they expected to do? Well, yeah, I suppose. But you'd expect them to be higher in the league, wouldn't you? Really, or you'd want them to be? I would have thought. Um, you know, but it's Mike Ashley's theory, isn't it? As long as you're in the Premier League then the money keeps coming in. And if you get the occasional cup run, that's a bonus. But that's their objective. If you ask them at the start of the season, mm. if they stay in the Premier League, that's a successful season for them. Yeah. Dorpy, what do you reckon? Um, a bit similar, really. I think that, um, one, what does the owner expect, really? You know, um, you know, he's, you, you, you get a manager in there and he's got no time to settle in. He's got to hit the ground running. And he's got to hit the ground running really, really well. Otherwise, he's out of a job. You know, if you're trying to rebuild a football club to be sustainable at that level, um, there's certain things that you need. You need, you know, a good a good backroom staff. You need a decent chairman. You know, you need a, a, a model 
and that model isn't something that's going to happen overnight, you know, I, and that model suppose, is built over time. I suppose Naomi Campbell wasn't available at the time. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's very, very difficult because, like, some of these, these uh, generals, we've seen it with Chelsea, you know, they, they, they win a championship, they then... Um, you know, they then uh, get sacked. They bring somebody in. They probably get close to winning their championship. They, 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 they say two, three seasons. He gets rid of them. So there is that, that possibility that that's the type of model that Watford are trying to actually um, follow. But for me, it's, it's sustainability. You know, it, it means that the manager does need a little bit. Of more time, but Thorpe, I just want to give you some stats to help illustrate that point. I'm just having right. a look at Watford's manager managerial mm. history in the last yeah. ten years, or well, since yeah, 2011 yeah. when Sean Dyche was there. Yeah. Um, Claudio Ranieri was their 18th manager since 2011. Wow, <laughs> I mean, that is just that is absolutely crazy. And, and I got, you know, the, the other thing as well is. When you actually look at football clubs in stature and size and things like that, you know, Watford have absolutely no divine right to be uh, anywhere but where they're at. I mean, their buying capacity has not been the greatest. Um, you know, and, and, and they're, they, they need the workmanlike club. I have to say, when, I, when Ranieri was appointed, I was absolutely staggered because I thought there's no way he is the right man for the job. You know, to me, he's listen. He's had he had a fantastic time at Leicester, and even Leicester got rid of him. You know, shortly after that, you know, and I don't think that they're a sacking club, but obviously Watford have deemed and shown that they are a sacking club, and I just don't see where they they have the divine right to say, well, actually, they should be anywhere but where they're at. You know, I don't think they're they've got a few good players, but not nothing that would actually class you as being a, the wow factor it would be interesting wouldn't it to hear the um the club's sort of chairman or chief exec to give us the reason that they've come to that conclusion and if you went through all the clubs like leicester and i don't know where else has he been um <clears throat> where else uh, has he Fulham been? Recently. Fulham, yeah mm. uh, you know why yeah. did you suck him i wonder how how varied the reasons would be um, for all those clubs, I bet it's roughly the same. There must be something about him that he it doesn't work. Perhaps he's too much of a well, nice guy. Well, yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, he comes across as being quite a nice fellow, like. But yeah, you know, I, I, you know, but he, listen, he's done something that not many, not many managers have done. He's won the won the Premiership, so mm. he must be half decent because that doesn't just that just you can't say it's luck. You know, you got a group of players together there that have proven. To be one hell of a lot of good players in, in in that team, and um, you know, and and it's been taken on from there. But Watford have no divine right to be anywhere exactly where they are. Um, their 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 buying capacity, they haven't bought really fantastically well, and the actual draw to actually bring players to that football club, you know, they're not going to attract really really big names. So, you know, they have to be very very workmanlike, bit like. Um, Burnley have done, and even Sean Dyche is there. He's, I mean, he's struggling this year, and but they, the, the club is sticking with him because he knows they, they know their model. You have to have a model, and you have to work together. I'll go back to my old scenario of, of the wheel. You know, if you're all together as a club, your wheel and it's, it's the spokes of a wheel, 
you know, your wheel works absolutely fine and it's running along very, very nicely, staying in the Premier League. But as soon as you get a, a spoke come out, that, that wheel or that model's not working. Ironically, you know, Paul, it was Sean Dyche who was at the who was the first manager of those eighteen on that list for Watford. Yeah. But he wasn't there yeah. very long. He wasn't there very long at all, like, you know. So, you know, who are they gonna get in? You know, uh the, the I, I I'm I'm flabbergasted. Is it, a, to is, find it a, out. is it a big Sam job now? Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he could be back in another job because that's it again, that is his model. His model is now. He's actually said it on TV. This is my model. I try and get people not relegated. But last club he got was was with he actually got relegated, didn't he? So, um, yeah, it's not an easy. But I just, you know, it, may, it annoys me a little bit because this owner obviously thinks a lot of himself and thinks that he's going to be, you know, as big. You know, they own a hundred like to, to be bottom of the Premier League and get relegated, which you still get two bumper payments after that. Mm. You know, you're, you you earn over a hundred million, so that's why they try and stay because each place gets even more and more. It gives them more clout. But I know, guess I just there's always think... pressure when you've got someone like Elton John on top of you. But that's for another time. Um, <laughs> a, AD, let's let's flip it round a minute because obviously on the back of that, it was you know it was the demise of Ranieri. But what about Norwich then? Because they're the team that benefited from this. It was a huge win away from home. I don't think anyone really saw this coming. And suddenly, because of how the um, games have been postponed, so there's a bit of imbalance of games placed at the bottom of the league, but they're up to third and form as well. Suddenly, the, the survival could be on, couldn't it, under Dean Smith? Well, certainly they, you know, I mean, you'd have to say that they're going to give him some time, it would appear. Um, you know, I don't think even Norwich would turn around and sack him just because they've lost. But, I mean, he's won, they've won, is that two on the trot now? Yeah. Isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. so yeah, he won a couple of times when he first went in there as well. So. Yeah. But I, I certainly think that he has more of a, a clue as to what he's doing than um, Daniel Farker had. Uh I suspect that the, you know, I know he speaks perfect English, but you just wonder whether the interpretation of what he says uh, is quite the way we would expect it to be put over. Um, and you know, Dean Smith's a you know typical Englishman. He's done. He's been around. He's been in in the lower divisions. I can remember when Yeovil played uh, Walsall several times, and he was the manager up there. He seems like a pretty decent sort of a bloke, really, and he seems to know what he's doing. Um, and he took the job very quickly, which was a brave move. Yeah, it was. Mm. But on the other hand, if you've got a, I mean, I know he would have had a decent payout presumably from Aston Villa, but but nonetheless, if you, if you you know you need a job, you need a job, don't you? That's the thing. Uh, his his availability was um, probably the reason that Daniel Farker got the push when he did. Yeah, because yeah. it all happened so smoothly. It looked like there were wheels in motion before. Poppy. I was just going to say, I was really interested with your first comment, you know, because you you said couldn't see it coming. You know, I, I, I totally disagree, totally disagree, because the one thing that, that, that was evident when, when uh, Farker was there was they weren't pressing, they weren't closing down. You can't close down from five yards. You can't say, you know, I'm, I'm pressing the ball, you know, from even two yards. You have to be right on these players. And instantly, the first thing I noticed is that the guys... They might be losing the odd game, but they're pressing. They're a different side. And he's got the mentality right. You know, yes, he will. Of course he will lose 
games because I don't think the quality of player is there. But what he is doing and what Ranieri hasn't done at Watford is he's made them into a workman-like side and, and it's harder to play against them. Has this you know, not and I, surprised and I, you then, Thorpey, how well he's done no, since ha- he's been there in a short it, time? No, it hasn't surprised me at all because I felt he did a fantastic job, you know, at, um, at, at Villa. And I, I, I think the only reason he got the sack is because they knew who they wanted and they got him. You know, um, because I still think that he had he had um, a bit more time left. Um, and I also only they've lost that their best player because we've, we've touched on this podcast on more than one occasion that it's not really so much as the issue with Dean Smith as the manager. I just looked at the squad that they've got and I thought you could have anybody in there at Premier League level and I'm just not quite sure that the players are, are necessarily up to it. But he does seem to be getting a tune out of them. He's getting a tune out of them again because, you know, yet, yet again, he's, he's given them... Uh, Gerard's very good at giving players belief, you know, and the way he uh, portrays himself and takes the pressure off the players... Is is right up there, I think. Was we, we, we eventually because he's still learning his trade. Oh, sorry, you know, I was I talking he, about Dean Smith with the Norwich Smith. players not being good yeah, enough. No, no, yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But you know, he's he's basically gone in there and basically said, "Look, listen, we might not be as good as, or as dynamic as some of the uh, other teams. So in that respect, we have to work twice as hard." You know, and he's getting that result. And I actually think now. He's got a very, very good opportunity of keeping that club club up, and if he does that, then I do take my hat off him, and he's really proven himself to be a top manager. Red, who goes down if that happens? But, yeah. Well, <laughs> who goes know. down if Norwich come up? I want to go with Rick on that one. If who Norwich goes down with Newcastle? What do you mean? Who goes down <laughs> with Newcastle? Um, don't know. You could look at the bottom three as they are now and say that uh, that looks because. Burnley games in hand, but then it's points on the points on the board that make the difference, isn't it? You can't if you're down there, games in hand mean nothing because you're unlikely to get those points. But just thinking about Dean Smith, I mean, maybe Aston Villa last season, Norwich this season, there's a they're like a good, decent, honest squad of players. Whereas he sort of failed when Aston Villa got the Grealish money in and they made a few big signings. It seems that. Dean Smith is better off work without star names, although he had one with Grealish. But you've got more, more with the players he's got in. And Norwich don't seem to have star players. You know, he's working, that's, that's the sort of squad he's successful dealing with rather than one with a few star names in it. Whereas Slippy G is used to being around um, big name players all the time. So he'll probably be a better fit at Aston Villa with those players than Dean Smith. You're only allowed one of those, so you've used it up already. Just I've still saying. got I've still got to talk about. The thing about, uh, you know, Stevie G as well is that he can draw players. I mean, he's already done it with Cortino yeah. and that, do you know what I mean? So that that's where, that's where like, you're going to get, a, I mean, you've got to remember as well, Aston Villa is a massive, massive club. It's mm-hmm. a big, big stadium, you know, and they've got a big following. So, Financially, they can actually draw those better players. Well, you talking know, of um, um, financially better and um, towards the top of the table, um, I just want to touch on the Chelsea match because um, there was a couple of big games played over the weekend as well, of course, and Chelsea-Tottenham being the one yesterday 
yesterday, Sunday, as you listen to this. Um, the big talking was did Kane push Thiago Silva over? Hmm. Um, I'm a little mind over this one because Silva's gone over very easily, but nine times out of ten, if a push like that is outside the penalty area or it's just in the middle of the pitch, a free kick is probably given. Um, AD, you had thoughts on this one. What was your take of this incident? Well, I thought he did go down rather easily. Um, I don't know. It all happens so quickly, doesn't it? But, I mean, it's, it, at the end of the day, he went down, and if TA, uh, VAR says he didn't or he did, then, you know, you've got to go with it, haven't you? But, I mean, I don't like the sort of going down so easily principle of it. It's, it's cheating, basically, isn't it? See, I personally, I personally thought it was a foul. Um, soft, yes, but I think once you see him put his arms out, I think, I think it, nine times out of ten, it always is going to be a foul. So I was quite surprised that there was quite a lot of controversy around this. Um, Rick, what did you think before I come to Thorpey? As an ex-professional's view. Penalty that was given at the end of the game where Jota was given Sorry, given the, the penalty when there was about, what, a five-minute review of this one? They did take that, a long time to come to the decision. What did you right, think so, of that? So, so, first and foremost, a clear and obvious, obvious. mistake, yeah. right? Yeah. Does a clear and obvious mistake take three to five minutes to sort out? Nope. No. So you must be very clear when you're sat in there and you're actually doing that. Please go to the screen and look at your decision because I think you might have got it wrong because blah de blah de blah. With now, that, first and foremost, with that Thorpey, I reckon I, I can't understand why you keep we keep using other sports where technology is used and it works yeah. fantastically. And the yeah. one major difference between those sports and football is that the people making the decisions aren't mic'd up. If you could hear the process that they gave that they go through in order to come to a decision, you might not yep. agree with it, but at least you know what they're thinking, why yep. they're thinking it, and how they've come to that decision. Yep. It's too much secrecy about it. Absolutely. And and also I think that is 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 probably the worst decision that I've ever seen on Jota, yeah. and I think that it's been very, very clear of that because the, all the Liverpool people, and even the I was on listening to Five Live coming back afterwards uh, with you know, with um, uh, um, oh, I don't know who, who does it now. Anyway, Chris so Robbie um, Savage, Chris Sutton, that's right, Robbie Savage. So it, it 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 was very clear, and we had Liverpool fans on there, and they all saying, "Can't believe he gave it. it was that was never a penalty." Thing. It was embarrassing. It, it was. It's absolutely embarrassing for football yeah. that, uh, that, and for the, the way that these guys are paid a huge amount of money to referee the game and they are getting it so badly wrong that that's why I think, that, you know, that I think enough's enough and they should be taken away from it. Well, that's, that's, why, know, and, um, that's why I think you should be able to hear what they're saying because then they're accountable for it. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. an explanation. Because <laughs> it seemed with the Liverpool one yesterday... And um, my love of Liverpool is well known, but it did seem that they were looking for a reason to give it rather than mm. just judging it on its own merits. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Because Jota's 
Jota is it's actually so embarrassing. It's actually more like a clearance because he didn't even knock it towards goal. He knocked it away from away goal. From goal yeah. he, he was he never was getting there. It was never getting there. There was a defender behind there as well, right? And actually, the keeper pulled away and he then moved towards the keeper yeah. to initiate Who was contact. moving away. Right. Yeah, he's, he's moving away. Now, a footballer would see that and go, not a penalty, straight away. If you ask every single footballer, they'd say, not a penalty, as far as I... Right? The only person or the only people that thought that was a penalty was the freaking referees again. Well, it was the VAR, wasn't it? Because initially it was turned down. Uh, turned down. And, and he was absolutely right. So then yeah. he's under more pressure. When he goes to that screen, he's under more pressure because May is explaining. And also, you then got two opinions going against each other. Oh, I'm under pressure here. Oh, actually, yeah, I get your point. You know, okay. Like you say, you can't hear them discussing it, which is absolutely mad. You know, um, yeah, it, I'll, I'll give a penalty because, yeah, that seems to be... That seems to be the obvious one, and, and they're two one up already. There, you know, he could say, "Look, they're two one up already." I think it's a penalty. You know, even though he's made contact, as soon as he's made contact, that's a penalty. No, it's not. No, it's not. He's made every effort not to make contact. He's lost control of the ball. He's not even moved it towards the goal. I think it is probably one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. And I think AD agrees with you, don't you, Aid? I certainly do. Yeah, and of course, the other thing you're saying about pressure. Um, the longer the decision-making process goes on, the more the pressure builds up because everybody's thinking, oh, Christ, it's, it's two minutes now and we come up with a decision yet. Yeah. And people are going to be all yeah. jumping up and down. Well, we've got to make a bloody decision quick. Let's get on with it. I'll give it a penalty. You know, and it's, it's the easy yeah. way out, isn't it? Are we, all, yeah. are we all in agreement that the longer it does take, the likelihood is that they will give the yeah. decision? That yeah. usually is yeah. how it goes. Yeah. And that's not mm. the, the, the... Listen... The, is the VAR the system? And I called for it because decisions have to be right. It's, I, I think I remember saying, I think my words were, "There's so much money in the game now that, that they have to get these decisions right." So they've bought it in, and they've actually probably getting more wrong than getting right at the moment, as far as yeah. I can see. Mm. So, so actually, <clears throat> we might as well go back to the original where they were actually probably closer to getting it right than, than they were getting it wrong. But the, but the thing is, with the with the cricket one, there's a definite process that it goes through. You look at this card, excellent, but excellent, and mm. even with it, the, with the rugby one, it's the excellent. referee on the field <laughs> who asks for certain things. Now, if yeah. the, he's getting told that VAR think he's made a mistake, that's a whole different kettle of fish. If he's a hundred percent happy with his decision. All they're there for is to flag it up if it is obvious. If you've looked at it more than three times, it's not clear and obvious for a start. And if the referee wants to look at it and say, they say, oh, you might want to look at it again. If he wants to look at it again, then it's there for him. But if he's 100% confident that he's made the right decision, why get involved? Yeah. yeah. See, see, for me, it, it, was this, it was this obvious. If you've made a mistake, it was there to put that mistake right. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not, you know, not to get your ruler out and find not, money. No. Because they don't matter. No. They don't matter no. in the long run. So let, let's That's move both. away from VAR for the moment then and actually talk about how this um, affects uh, the league positions. Um, AD, I'll start with you. Does this mean the title race is on or is it still very much unlikely? Well, it's kind of a coincidence that it happened to occur on a weekend where <coughs> Manchester City dropped points, which is kind of not that you know, common, um, but 
you know, much as it hurts me to say it, I cannot honestly see that it's going to make any difference, in all honesty. I think City have got it wrapped up. I mean, they've got to lose, what, three games, is it, for them to, to get all back? And, and I mean, can, can we honestly see Manchester City losing three games? I, I can't, unfortunately. I don't know whether you lot can, but... So I don't think and it's, it's not just ha- about that either. It's it's the fact that Liverpool would have to still go unbeaten, and that they're still likely to drop points between now and the end of the season as well, which kind of yeah. makes it that I even mean, more to be, unlikely. To be fair to Liverpool, they have managed to do better um, without their players off at the uh, African Nations Cup so far, uh, which is surprised because I thought losing Salah would make a bigger difference than it seems to have done, but. I think the fixtures have been kind. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I really can't see Liverpool making up the points. I just can't see it happening, really. Chelsea won't, I don't think. Um, I think United have got a chance, I have to say. But then I'm not going to say that, am I? Is that the third? I have to say, I have to say, considering that everybody thinks they're having a shocking season, they've actually played 22 games. They've got 38 points and they're in four place at the moment I must admit I'm, I'm surprised but I have to say this manager whatever he's doing is 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 doing something right because he's, he's pulling off Ronaldo he's made, looking for the team he's talking to Ronaldo Ronaldo's obviously agreeing with him and he's got a smile back on Rashford's face and um, that to me my biggest concern for Rashford is was his mental state, and he seems to be really again, which is what the sport's all about. So yeah. um, to see Manchester United up there, it sh- it proves that um, this guy was the right uh, person, and it does look to me with um, you know West Ham have played one game more, Arsenal have played two games less, so that's your biggest problem. But I don't, I think they'll drop a lot more points. Um, we've got uh, Tottenham on thirty six, so they're they're they're. I think your biggest problem because I do think Conti will get it right. Although I still think they were appalling on the weekend. But, what do the uh, United that, uh, fans think about that then, Rick? I think you're in a strong position. I think it's one of those things that United are always the story. So people have highlighted little tiny things, little tiny problems, and everything gets blown up. Whereas quietly, since Ralph's been in, he's lost one game. <clears throat> Uh, I was there for that, and they were shocking, and they deserved <laughs> to lose that. That was brilliant. As a as a really great day. But um, other than that, it's been steady rather than spectacular. And it was a big win for for Chelsea because they were in danger with the amount of draws and and the defeat that they had prior to that of getting drawn into a competition for a Champions League place. If they lose touch with Liverpool. And then they're involved. They become two places that because it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody thinks that Chelsea will have the third. Those top three are going to stay the same. But Chelsea no. were in danger of getting drawn down. Into well, the they thing. say they say, don't they, that it, um, a week is a long time in football. And I just want to kind of refer back to sort of last week because Adia, correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably felt a bit more pessimistic about Ralph in this situation. But now two on the bounce and suddenly things are looking a bit different. And then we were going to go and play Brentford, who, you know, they've they've done some good performances of late. And, you know, I was a bit concerned about that that as well. But, I mean, you know, A, we beat Brentford, so that put a smile on my face. Now we've gone and beaten West Ham, albeit 
by the last kick of the game virtually but you know they all count at the end of the day and um, I've no doubt all the Man United haters will be saying oh you know referees always give them this extra bit of time and all that but I mean at the end of the day he scored a good goal and Cavani put a lovely cross across that he couldn't miss from there and it's helping his his mental state I would imagine he's two on the trot now he's going to be much more relaxed and, and back to his old self again I think so yeah you I, know, I, it, I was a was... little bit pessimistic about Ralphie but uh, you know give the man a chew he's, he's doing the job and got to give him more time yet obviously Thorpe it was the United of old as well wasn't it in the manner and how they won it at the end in the 93rd minute Absolutely, you know Fergie time was uh, was in there, and they gave him a bit of extra time until they got their goal. So uh, fair play to the uh, referee on that one. But it, 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 was, it, was, it was a it was a massive <laughs> it was a massive game for them because, like you know, Manchester United have got one game in hand. They're a point ahead. They could go they, if they win their game in hand. That means four points. But also, you know, with Chelsea just above them, they've played two extra games. It means that if Man United do win their two games in hand, they're only three points behind Chelsea. You know, and that's no that going towards the end of the season when the pressure is on for those European places, you know, um, they could hit a, a, a bit of good form because he's the way he's working with the players, the players are understanding his system more. So if 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 by the time he gets to the nitty gritty part of the season you know, he could have those players really playing on song, and all of a sudden, then we're looking at a different Man United, and that uh, that animal could be dangerous. Well, and, uh, United don't play a, another serious European contender until the um, back end of March, I don't think. So they, man, that, this run of favourable fixtures, like you say, get a run going. Um, yeah, yeah, you're being good for you know, a better idea of what the, the strongest team is when you come to play those big games. Yeah. I do. I do think the front, the first two are going to be, you know, the first two. Yeah. Um, all depending on, you know, I, I can't see Man City blowing that many points, but you never know. But this is um, the year, this is, last season. This is this is when City came into form, wasn't it? Because yeah. they were just at the turn of the year. United were, were top, and then City went on a, a massive run and just blew everyone away. And if they do that, given the platform they're on now. It's, it's yeah. just going to be a cable for Absolutely, absolutely. So I think the first two are going to be as they are. Um, as regards to the Chelsea and Manchester United, that 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 um, that could be an interesting one. I do believe now that Manchester United are in that fourth place. I think that the fans would be extremely disappointed now if um, with the running and the way that he's running the club. Um, that they would not get European football, Champions League football next season now. But given that, given the headlines that were surrounding United and their dreadful form over the last whatever, you'd think that they were in 12th or 13th, not actually just poised in a position to, mm. to challenge for a Champions League. It just goes, it just comes with the territory of being being Manchester United. It's, it's always the biggest story in the league. Yeah. Is, um, is there... A bit of a crisis happening at Chelsea. I ask that because mm. there's probably lots of different stories coming it's out of the club, that. but we've seen this before. A crisis <laughs> happening at Chelsea. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, he's coming. He did. Okay. So, so when you actually uh, look at the um, the league, you know, is there a crisis at Chelsea? Well, Chelsea have hit a really bad, bad little spell. 
you know, you've got like, uh, it's quite evident that the West Ham squad isn't big enough. So that's why they're having a bit of different form. Arsenal being a bit up and down. Tottenham is still, um, he's got issues there, which he needs to address. Wolves are playing some fantastic stuff, which I think they are really trying to push. Uh, and, and I really have enjoyed watching them play. Brighton have got too many draws and Leicester have been really disappointing. But a lot of these clubs have, have, have been moaning about two things. One is the, 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 the pile-up of all the fixtures because they're playing every three days. But secondly, I've really, really noticed, and they have been mentioned quite a lot, is the injuries. And lots of these clubs, Leicester, complain about injuries. Southampton were, Crystal Palace were, Tottenham, even Arsenal, been, you know, right through, have all been complaining of injuries. You know, and I'm wondering whether it is actually quite clear now that, that because of the that, that people can actually see that because that how much the players need a rest after a game because the, the physicality of football nowadays is such where these guys are now picking up tired, you know, uh, tiredness injuries, which is hamstrings, calves, and it's keeping, you know, not just their, all their joints, and it's, it's keeping, you know, players out of, the, out of their teams for longer periods. Yeah, but we're in a situation now. We're right in the middle of a so-called Christmas break, aren't we? Or mid-winter break, call it that. break. Yeah, well, it. well, it's not even that, though, is it? But the point is, no. um, if this is if this is a break and they're supposed to be having a break so that they don't get, get tired, they should stay home and just relax and do nothing. But they won't be doing that. They'll be going off to camps all over the places. I see somebody's gone over to Dubai. Um, Dubai. And they'll yeah. be, they'll be training like mad. Yeah. So... They're not really achieving their objective, are they? If they're supposed to be having a midwinter break, then have a midwinter break. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, but a break I, doesn't I, I just be sitting on your bum for two weeks, does it? They would be in. They've got to maintain fitness. So all it's doing, saying they're going these places, it's only warm weather training, really. So they're not. They won't be busting their bits, having a, a right old thing. They just keep themselves ticking over. No, see some of these. So, see, some of these clubs will have games behind closed doors. Well, not them behind closed doors, but, you know, if you go to Saudi Arabia or, or Dubai, I guarantee you, I expect they'll be playing a game. Mm. You know, it might yeah. not be a game where they're, you know, they're, they've just got to turn up and they probably get like X amount of millions for turning up, you know, and they might they might pull pull all the top players off or give them only, say, like 15, 20 minutes each just so they're actually there. Signing shirts and and selling shirts and Thorpe, you look you know, like so, a man so, who wouldn't turn his nose up at an opportunity to do some warm weather training in Dubai. Would that be fair to say? Well, I always I always really <laughs> enjoyed the um, the uh, end of season tour, but also the pre season tour as well. So uh, just yeah, that bit in yeah. the middle we couldn't stand. No, Beginning no, of the no, season, no. The end of the season <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It was it was it was fabulous, but it, it's also. Um, you know, when you get yourself going and you're going away and, and you maybe having two or three games in a, in a place where it's slightly warmer, it's always it's always quite nice. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, talking Exeter of... University, Brian Hall wasn't the most exciting place to be. <laughs> well, well, talking so... of somewhere a bit warmer, I was going to mention this at the end, but seeing as we're sort of touching on that now, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, the African Cup of Nations, because I don't know if you've seen this, but because of the rules, um, with it being oh, a short tournament, yeah. of the course, goalkeeper. the yeah. goalkeepers 
if yeah. any of them are struck down with COVID or injury, then everybody's agreed that an outfield player will have to play in goal, which is what every football fan likes to see. And at the time of recording, so Monday night, Cameroon, the whole uh, the hosts, sorry, play Comoros. And Comoros are going yeah. to have to play an outfield player in goal for 90 minutes. Has he yeah. um, tested negative this morning? And if he gets another negative, he'll be okay. Sorry to is that right? I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen that. Right. Oh, well, that's right. that, that ruined my point, if that is uh, okay. Sorry. Never let the fans get away of a good story. It just, happens, it just happens to be the biggest game in Comoros' history and against yeah. Cameroon. And uh, they found him in a situation where there's a, it's possibly that they will have to play an outfield player, so, which is quite crazy, really. You'd think that there'd be FIFA would give them... Special dispensation to bring another keeper in, but, but no, they were, got a... a lot of the, because of that situation. A lot of the teams named four goalkeepers in their squad, and they didn't. They just named the three. Ah, uh, right. So, had it been anyone else, they might have got away with it. But they've only Is got there three four keepers goalkeepers in, in Comoros. That's the question. Well, <laughs> I was, was going to ask the question. That, um, how do you get to Comoros? Is it turn left at Cudworth or what? I, I'm not aware of where it is. It's in Africa, Adrian. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. That's how they qualify. Oh, right. <laughs> so you don't turn off at Cudworth then past the golf course? Well, if you uh, keep going long enough, I expect you'll get there in the end. Aidy, you really should have gone to school that day. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> that day they did geography. You should have been there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was quite good at geography well, as a rule. But there we go. Well, let's. But um, the, the, biggest, the biggest game in the um, African Cup of Nations is tomorrow. Uh, Egypt, no, the the mighty Cape Verde. Ah, oh, Cape Verde. Yeah, it's the only place in Africa I've ever been. So I've decided that that's my team. That's in that team. case, I'm going to make Tunisia my team because I've been to Tunisia on a holiday and they knocked that's out bad. Nigeria on the over the weekend. So uh, and I and I've been to Egypt, so I'm going to have Egypt then, right? What about you, Aidy? <laughs> well, I've been, I've been to Tunisia as well, so I think I should have to stick with you and have Tunisia. Yes, <laughs> glory hunters. Mm. Okay, well, well, we'll see how each of those teams then are doing next week. But for now, let's bring it back to the Premier League because um, there was a lot that went on at Goodison Park with um, obviously Rafa going and Duncan Ferguson taking the helm. Well, see, there was a lot of stories because you had Gerard going in to Everton, of course, being an ex-Liverpool legend, and also Luca Dina, who they only let go a couple of weeks ago. And then there was the issues with the crowd taking offence to the goal going in and deciding to um, launch missiles at the Aston Villa players. There was a lot going on in that game. Uh, lunchtime kickoff, of course. Villa winning 1-0. Um, AD, did you see it? I saw the bottles coming down, yeah. I mean, there was a, a really nearly full bottle of Lucasade that got wasted there for a start. I mean, you know, they got money to burn up at Liverpool or what? I mean, dear, dear me. You think that bottle was full of Lucasade, Adrian? Yeah, well, was it Lucasade? Well, yeah. <laughs> it might have been. Well, I couldn't really tell. The colour was sort of similar to Lucasade anyway. Let's put it like that. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean... It's got to be bands for life, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you know, kids out there playing football and getting smacked on the head by a full bottle of Lucasade or whatever... Um, 
Yeah, no, you can't have that going on, can you? I mean, just the same as I said, I, there was I, a bit of trouble at Old Trafford with, with the West Ham fans. Sling them out and don't let them back. Go, Pete. Yeah, I've, there's two angles on this one. Uh, one is that I've actually been in that situation where I've had coins thrown at me, and it uh, I can tell you now, it definitely hurts, you know. Um, oh, I, did, I did get you then. Brilliant. You definitely did get me, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, as if you you're going to throw money away. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I knew it definitely wasn't him. <laughs> and, um, and the other part is, is just not to look at the guy. Yes, the guy should definitely get a lifetime ban. The other part is don't just look at the person who threw the bottle because there was an immense amount of coins also hitting those players. You know, you get a coin that hits you in the eye, you, you can be blinded straight away. And, um, you know, I don't think that it's... Um, if they see anybody even looks like they're throwing anything, you, they, they've got to, you know, they, they've got to get it, got to get it, you know, the ban for life. The other thing is I don't understand why this culture at the moment is, you know, we, we've had it before, don't get me wrong, it's always been there, but all of a sudden there seems to be an absolute blitz on, uh, um, you know, items being thrown onto the pitch and I don't know why I think uh, I think it's, it's interesting if you look at all of the topics that we've discussed so far tonight referees have been involved in one form or another and it was the same at Yeovil but again for another dif different situation oh. um, and I mean that if, if um, Del Gorman had had a serious head injury and this referee missed it, as we know, and, and allowed play to go on and Yeovil know, conceded the equaliser. I mean, what would have happened then? I mean, it, you know, they shouldn't... Well, he was bleeding. Yeah, they shouldn't be that lax lackadaisical. They're just, they're just not good enough after these referees. They're just not. And it wasn't it, it wasn't just that either, Aid. It was the, the fact that Gorman went down. So for anyone who hasn't seen it or heard about it, so Gorman was... Well, I mean, he was taken out, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. And um, yeah. a definite head injury. Referee, I think the referee didn't even have... I don't think he was even facing the incident. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty no, sure he wasn't. he wasn't even looking at it happen. But that wasn't yeah. the only thing that happened. Tom Knowles was then also taken out by their right wing-back and nothing yeah. was given. So, Hewish Park was roaring at this point and the Oval bench was all up and everyone was quite rightly up in arms and then Paul Mullen went an absolute <laughs> curled an absolute worldie into the top bin but that gets lost because it should never have obviously got got to that point and it just um, um, if anyone wants to give any abuse uh, the referee was called Sonny Gill he so <laughs> was a big lad man. he can probably take it he was a big old unit that fella Oh, big old uh, unit or yeah, not, he was very really good. Had, yeah, well, Darren Sell had every right not to be happy. Mm. Because the thing with that decision as well was that the, the time that it came, that it happened, the foot, after the first hour, you were on top of that game and should have been more goals ahead, which is their own fault. But then that, the incident that lets Wrexham back into the game is that contentious one. So mm. it just wasn't great. It wasn't great for referees anyway. So... Uh, so are Yeovil in the midst of a, a really, really dire, dangerous run? Because I think I'm right in saying they've lost seven on the trot, which is a lot of, you know, it, it's it's not good. It's not good whichever way you look at it. And I'm but not, if, It I'm, depends how they take the defeat that way, Adrian. If they play the way that they played prior to that incident, they'll be fine. 
Yeah, yeah. Because that's the best I've seen them play for a, for quite a while. Yeah, I've spoken to a few of the fans, and the fans said there's no way that we should have lost the game. And um, no. you know, and uh, if it wasn't for that incident, they, we feel that we would have won the actual game uh, itself, like because they played some really, really good stuff. And uh, you know, I, I think the the run is disappointing, absolutely. But um, I've not been disappointed in their football. I've been disappointed in a in a couple of incidences where we've let a goal in we shouldn't have done. But I haven't been disappointed in their football, and I think that. The one big thing about this year uh, to, to last year was the fact that, you know, the the year we had all that experience, you know, we didn't perform well enough. You know, that was really disappointing. But Losing I think quickly the fans, is going to be a blow, Thorpe. It is going to be a blow, yeah. Um, but the, the, the fans are actually enjoying the youngsters and the fact that they know that they're working hard. And I think you can you can put your hand up to a few mistakes and letting a few goals in because you can see the effort this this team is actually putting in to try and be as, as successful as it possibly can. Do you, you know, not, um, do you not yeah, think though, Paul? Going to be an absolute loss. Do you not think though, Paul, that by selling um, a striker and by coming out and giving a press conference or a press statement rather, uh, saying that the reason they've they've sold him is because they needed the money for cash flow purposes. Is, is is not a, yeah. good, a good sign for the club. I mean, you know, other clubs are going Absolutely to be coming not. in with dire offers for players if they wanted to buy them. And, you know, is he going to not start selling players all the time? Yeah, um, and a lot of people have taken it, and I'm certainly one of them, and I'm happy to say this on here, that it is definitely... Uh, he's blamed the fans for mm. having to sell quickly because he's given the reason to... as people not attending the games anymore. Mm. And that's how he's yeah. justified selling quickly. Um, I don't have any idea how saying about that. And then he spoke about the takeover in the statement about Quigley's departure. I mean, if I'm Joe Quigley, I'm thinking, well, where's where's the thanks for my, for what I've done for this club? Because yeah. we picked them up on a free and we've sold them on for money. OK, we don't know what that is. So... You know, from Quigley's point of view, he's done nothing wrong. And I feel like his contribution's kind of been lost a little bit. And if I was looking at that um, statement that came out, if I was Quigley, I'd be doing, well, well, do Do you want me to read it out? Yeah, go on, Thorpe. OK, so Chairman Scott Priestnell commented to the, of the, on the departure. The decision to accept the offer on Joe was one that helps improve our cash resources at the time when our average gate attendance is much lower than expected. And as a result, we have a shortfall in our budget for this season. The ongoing speculation surrounding a takeover then is uh, certainly not helping the club recover from its lost revenues. From, um, so it basically, for him to actually come out there and say that, is basically blaming the fans. We can't there, and if you... you you can't then go and say, right, we knew what the averages were last season, right? And there's a pandemic gone. You, you've got to actually take a worse scenario and do your budget as such. And you're the person, you're the actual owner of the club that's actually, you know, deliver, actually delivering that budget for that season. Thorpey, on that statement, does it mention about thanking Joe quickly at all or not? Um, yeah, we would like to thank Joe for his oh, effort okay. during his okay. time at the club and wish him all the best. 
for the future. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well done. But what what you don't what you don't do as an owner, if you want the backing of supporters, is then go and blame the supporters for not turning up and and making it not my fault but your fault. How and are you going to get them on back on side? Also, Bilby, if you're complaining about people not turning up, so then you make the team noticeably worse by selling your top goal scorer, yeah. and then all of a sudden more people are going to turn up for a team that doesn't have the leading goal scorer. How does that work? You what, no. what chance has the manager got either if you keep selling players from under his feet? From underneath mm. him, yeah, he's got no chance. No. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't. Uh, I mean, I just think, I just think that he's not in touch with. Well, I, I've said for a while, he's not been in touch with the community for a start. And if you want to yeah. run a successful football club, you must have the community on your side. Dorpy, I just want to bring. Sec- a, I just well, sorry. I just wanted to bring AD in quickly. You mentioned about Darren Sal. Yeah. Um, mm. Ada, you've been doing the you've been doing the press conferences. Yeah. Um, have you noticed a difference at all? Because to me, he and quite rightly so, he's coming across as really fed up, and I don't blame him. Yeah, I think he, the well, certainly losing Skibbo has not helped, uh, and 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 he certainly, you know, he's made a few references to the takeover, not not direct ones, but kind of you know, a little nudge nudge here and there, and. Uh, yeah, he certainly has. I mean, Darren's a nice guy, and he he always treats the press with 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 great humour and dignity, um, and he does a good job. And he'll answer any question you ask him. But at the same time, you know, it must be extremely difficult for him not knowing. You know, is is he in a job again? I mean, he's he's made several references to the fact that well, whether I'm here or whether I'm not here next season, well, you know that that says it all in in one sort of statement, doesn't it? Really, he's obviously under pressure and doesn't know whether he's going to get a new contract. So yeah, that, uh, that last that last one after after Saturday's game, the press conference or the interview that I saw, he just seemed broken. There was enough in the incident in that game for him to be positive about or be negative about. And he just—he just seemed broken. It's just like, well, what am I doing? Why am mm. I doing this? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, Rick. And, and you know, he's he's going through it. And then to lose his right hand man, who I know they were very very friendly, and and you know they mixed socially together, and one thing or another, and they felt they were doing a good job. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's 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 hard if they go selling your best players from under you. Absolutely no chance, have you? So it's it's very difficult. When when the uh, when the owners saying about it. It's the ongoing financial situation. What it's not helping that. What he means is it's not helping the price he wants to get for the club to sell it. No, exactly. That's the bottom mm. line of it. Yeah. It's, he's, he wants to maximise his asset, obviously, and these things are happening. But to say that it's to do with the, the club rather than his own personal interest is a bit is a bit not on, really. Yeah. No, it isn't. It isn't. Um, just just go to Brentford a minute, um, Hilda. Um, yeah, Brentford have not just because United beat them, but they lost again on Saturday. They suddenly started to not do. You know, they were doing exceptionally well, and the man I see the manager signed a new contract today. But uh, it's a bit concerning that they, you know, they've they've lost. I don't know three or four on the trot. I think at Brentford, and uh, they had the old um, drone droning across them on uh, on Saturday. Um, do you, do you worry for them? Ericsson's coming in, isn't he? So they'll be fine. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. There's there's more than than three teams worse than Brentford in that That's division. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the key. Is the fact that even though they are in this kind of really poor form from their uh, position, I still think if they 
get two or three wins between now and the end of the season, that will probably be enough because of wherever, wherever um, teams are positioned at the moment. Mm. Well, I hope so for their sake because it would be a pity to see them go down. Be a concern going into next season, though, if the form really drops off and they do manage to survive. But if they only survive by their skin of their teeth, mm. then it might make next year a bit more of a struggle. But like Rick says, if they get someone like Ericsson in who, you know, it's going to be a gamble because we don't know what kind of fitness levels we're talking at. But if you get a Christian Ericsson before what happened happened, then that's going to be an absolute coup for yep. for, for Brentford. Mm. Yeah, and as I say, the manager's just signed a new. I, I, I mean, the manager to me comes over very well. He sounds like a you know a pretty reasonable bloke, but at the same time, he's proved he it can do the job. It didn't sound very reasonable on Wednesday, on Thursday, whenever it was. Well, when they, know, uh, remember he, David Lloyd when in, when England lost to Zimbabwe, and he said we absolutely battered them, even though we lost, and it, it just reminded me of that. Mm. You can see why he said it. He had to keep morale of his team up and. Well, did you see? Um, did you see match of the day this weekend, boys? Because he got himself sent off, and to be yeah. fair to him, he came out afterwards and went, "Yeah, to be honest, I tell my boys that they should calm themselves down in this op- in these kind of scenarios." I let myself down a bit there, and I held my hands up, and I was like, "Oh, that wasn't. I wasn't expecting him to say that. No. I thought he was going to say that the referee had sort of blown it all out of proportion and." He could, didn't understand why he had been sent off, but he just kind of came out to the cameras and went, yeah, I, I went over the line there, lad, sorry. Yeah. Which, like you say, Aidy, is quite refreshing to listen to. Yeah, no, I think so. But look, listen, lads, we've we've run out of time, I'm afraid. So first of all, I'd like to apologise to the listeners for any breakdowns and peculiar land, sounding language coming over, but it was totally down to Zoom and there's not a lot we can do about it, I'm afraid. So apologies for that. But I um, hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure you keep listening to Three Valleys Radio and we will have full match coverage with uh, Gavin Cheatham and George Marshall-James on Saturday from Woking, when Woking take on Town. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank Rick Hyatt. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bit slow there, Rick. Um, Hilda? Help I just thought I'd just... I'm just letting myself down off the fence. I've been sat on it for the last hour. Oh, <laughs> okay, then. get off the fence. Hilda Pryor? Pleasure. Pleasure as always. Slow again, slow again. You must be quicker off the bark for this. And, of course, Paul Thorpe. Absolute pleasure. No problems at all. So join us again next week, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more football. Bloody hell.